This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. The 53-man roster is set for now. Probably some tweaks to come in the coming days. We'll see what those are. But for now, the 53-man roster, at least initially, is yeah. in place. I'm holding it in my hand, and I was informed that at 4 o'clock, this one that I've got right now, the official, technically official roster is yeah. going to be obsolete at about 4 o'clock. By 4 o'clock, the Bills practice squad will also be assembled. Practice squad assemble! <laughs> uh, 16 players, six of whom can be veteran players of any number of accrued seasons. The 10 other practice squad members can have no more than two accrued seasons on their professional resume. So generally younger players on the whole on that side of the ledger. And I think we should, Steve, probably anticipate a good number of the players released yesterday to be on the practice squad today. I've been checking the waiver wire all day. Haven't really seen any Bills players' names come up, nor have I seen any of the veterans released signed by another team. So at this point in time, it looks like any and all options are on the table among the players that they released yesterday to add to their practice squad if they want to do that. Right. It's just going to be a question. And we kind of get bored with it because the season takes over, but this it goes on all, all year. Yeah. The practice squad is, a, is fluid. They, they're churning guys through there every right. week. There is turnover. It's, it's more, I don't know, it's more noteworthy now because we know these guys, right? And then yes. by the end of my midseason, we're getting guys on the practice squad we've never heard of and have never taken a snap for the team. These guys have all been here for months. Exactly. The team did practice this morning, the 53 players that are on the roster, or at least most of those 53. <laughs> Place looked vacant. Good news. Well, in comparison <laughs> to 90, yeah, it looks like half the people are missing. But the good news on the injury front, Connor McGovern got back out there, looks to be limited as a participant as he's working his way back from the knee injury he suffered in the Pittsburgh preseason game that kept him out of the preseason finale against the Bears. And then we also saw Terrell Bernard back on the practice field, also moving around cautiously. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was limited in practice. We're at the point in time in the preseason where practice is now limited in terms of media viewing to stretch and individual position drills. We are no longer watching the duration of practice. So our exposure to just how much those players coming back from injury are doing is limited, but just kind of looking at them, their body language, and, and how they were moving through individual position drills, I, I would say they're just starting to knock some of the rust off, and it's probably going to be some time before they are full go um, and, and you know good to go for full-scale practice, playing in games, et cetera, et cetera, and there's still time. you got almost you got 12 days between now and the opener, so plenty of time for those two players to get back up to, you know, full steam and 100%. So hopefully they continue to make progress. Missing from practice, Justin Shorter and Balin Spector, two players each dealing with hamstring injuries. And this brings up, Steve, some of that roster tweaking that we anticipate. 
Number one, we know Reed Ferguson, the long snapper for the Bills, was cut yesterday. It's a roster-juggling exercise. They cut him to carry a player on the initial 53-man roster who may be given an injury designation as early as today to allow the team to bring Reed Ferguson back onto the roster. Balen Specter would be a prime candidate for that with a hamstring injury that didn't look good in Saturday's game against the Bears uh, when he went over the sideline trying to chase P.J. Walker, the quarterback. If he's out even a couple of weeks, he would be a prime candidate for an IR designation. The problem is you can't give him an IR designation when the roster is initially set because if you do that, he is ineligible for the rest of the season. However, if you put him on your 53-man roster and the very next day you put him on IR, he, he only misses four weeks. Yeah, it's all bookkeeping. So it's, so it's a roster-juggling exercise yeah. here, and I think most of us anticipate that when Reed Ferguson, Reed Ferguson is added back to the roster, Balen Specter will probably be placed on injured reserve and be ineligible for the next four weeks as he recovers from the hamstring injury. Justin Shorter is another candidate to be put on IR with his hamstring injury, and that would be to make room for another player. There are multiple reports out there, including from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, that the Bills will be signing veteran offensive tackle Jermaine Effetti, who is a former first-round pick of the Seattle Seahawks back in 2016. And, I mean, the guy's got plenty of NFL experience. He's played mostly right tackle and right guard in his career, 82 starts on his NFL resume, spent the 2022 season with the Atlanta Falcons. He was not a starter there. He was a backup, and I would anticipate he would be serving in the same capacity well, here, especially after the release of David Questenberry yesterday. Right, and plus, you know, two weeks, you're talking about guys have been running this offense, some of them the tackles for a long time, Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins. They just want the guy to be passable, get him up to game speed. He sh- he's in shape. He's been in training camp, but uh, – Get him acclimated to your verbiage. Get him acclimated to your offensive line room. Blocking techniques. Yeah. An outside chance that he would be ready to go or back up in a pinch to finish the game opening night on a Monday night in New York. But that's what happens when you get to this point. He goes on your roster. I mean, you can't – you're not going to put him on the practice squad, I don't think. Um, Yeah, this is not one of those moves. Right. He's got to go right to the 53. And as of right now – the Bills roster has only three true offensive tackles. It's basically Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, and Ryan Vandemark. Right. Now, I would say Vandemark, by virtue of being on the roster and David Questenberry being moved off the roster, Ryan Vandemark is now your swing tackle on this roster at age 25. Um, That's right. Earned it, really made good progress, not only from last year to this year, but through the course of camp in the preseason. I right. thought his game against the Bears was probably his best preseason performance. Um, So that was very encouraging and likely was the convincing evidence that the Bills coaching staff was looking for to say, you know what, he is ready to be the swing tackle. And that's why David Questenberry did not make the 53-man roster. I would not be surprised if Questenberry was on the practice squad, um, you know, as a veteran emergency option. If they talked him into it, I don't know. He may want to do that. Yeah. Most of these guys that have the experience of Questenberry, they're like, you know, I'm good. Uh, if you're not, may want to see if he can yeah. sign on an active yeah, roster somewhere yeah, else because he there'll be some demand for him in today's market and offensive line. I mean, he and he may end up in the division. 
You know, because sure. if you're on the practice squad, you're not making the money you're making on the active roster, and that may be a consideration for him. Jermaine Effetti effectively, again, boosts the size and height quotient of Buffalo's offensive line. 6'5", 330 pounds. He is a behemoth of a human and just adds to the girth that that group has added through the course you know, of this offseason. You talk about Vandermark and how he came in and just – he came from, like, nowhere to the swing tackle. Now, certainly, Brandon Shell's retirement aided in that. Yes. And in whatever. But Vandermark earned the spot. I think on the other side of the ball, Kingsley Jonathan, same thing. Mm-hmm. Boogie Basham got traded because Kingsley Jonathan outplayed him. I mean, just, he's just too good. And his upside, yeah. his upside, Kingsley Jonathan's upside is still, I think, being realized because he's played, like, five years of football. And he's not like he, – he's – he didn't. He's from Africa, so he didn't grow up with neck deep in this, right? Yeah. He hasn't been playing since he's five years old. His upside is huge. Yeah, didn't start playing until high school. And also, you know, so he doesn't have any baggage that he's carrying around. And you can just tell by the way he rushes the passer and the things that he does. He is all about technique. He's got the right leverage. He plays the right way. Plays hard. He uses different techniques. He's got a nice repertoire that's still growing. And his motor is right where they want it to be. I mean, the guy goes hard. He made a couple of pass rushes in the preseason. They were like, did you, did you see that? Yeah. It's um, high-level stuff. It's high-level stuff. For a very uh, a player who is he, very young in football. To me, he is the poster child for what it's like to have a Von Miller parachute into your roster and have a young guy who doesn't know enough learn everything he can learn from a guy who's done it. Yeah. Um, that's those two guys, Vandermark and Kingsley Jonathan, I think are a surprising roster yeah. additions this year on the 53. I think they're the most surprising guys on the entire roster. Yeah, I wrote about this on buffalobills.com yesterday after all the announcements were made. Five things to know about the Bills 53 man roster. You've got practice squad graduates on yeah. this roster now Ryan Vandermark, Kingsley Jonathan, and Alec Anderson, another offensive lineman. They were all on Buffalo's practice squad last year. And I'll bang the drum again, Steve. Player good at it. development. Eric Washington, the defensive line coach. Aaron Cromer, the offensive line coach. They worked with these guys on their individual games. And there was noticeable growth. And it was enough to earn a roster spot this season. And, you know, Ryan Bates is probably your backup center. Alec Anderson is probably your third center on this roster right now. And... Probably your number two backup guard after David Edwards. Mm-hmm. So David Edwards is probably your number one backup guard. Ryan Bates is your backup center. And then Alec Anderson is is basically your next guard in. You know, Right. I, I think if Connor McDermott or Connor McGovern comes in and he, like if, if they want to give him an extra week, on this knee injury that he's got. I don't think they will. He's already out there practicing, even even though he doesn't look 100%. Yeah, we'll see. You, you, David Edwards is in. Alec Anderson is the guy right behind him. And Bates is over there, is right behind there with him. And they behind they play behind uh, Torrance and David Edwards. And Morse. And Morse. And that's – man, you're – I like that. I like that offensive line. I really do. Uh, we have. I know people have been clutching their pearls a little bit in the preseason and and they take a lot they took a lot of heat last year they I mean people say the craziest things but 
this offensive line was not a bottom five offensive line. You hear people saying the crazy stuff. This offensive line was the offensive line for the number two offense in the NFL. They, they were not bad at all. They were really good. And this year, you and I both believe they're way better than they were a year ago. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll plant my flag on that hill. So we'll see. I mean, they still have to stay healthy, and they got to come together, and they got to get some snaps under their belt. But, man, oh, man, I'm telling you, this group is going to be better than the offensive lines of a couple other teams in right. this division for sure. And I'll, and I'll just say this, too, with these reports that the Bills are going to sign Jermaine Effetti. If you think about the landscape of the offensive tackle position in this league, and, yes, you had hundreds of players flooding the market yesterday, but nobody's – throwing people overboard that are world beaters. You know what I mean? Right. They're, they're staying on rosters, especially on the offensive line. To get a former first-round pick with 82 starts on his resume, like Jermaine Affetti, I mean, in this climate, with what's out there on the street, that's a pretty good get for nothing. You know what I mean? Because I was getting to the point after Shell retired and Tommy Doyle got hurt, and was out for the season, I'm thinking to myself, man, Brandon Bean may have to trade for an offensive tackle. And from what we understand, he did make some phone calls to see if anything could be done. But, you know, the two parties couldn't agree to anything, so nothing happened. This is a pretty good backup plan when you consider all the pitfalls that they ran into at the offensive tackle position. A guy with 82 starts in the league, that's 10 more than Brandon Shell had. Right. Um, Former first-round pick. Yeah, and and like you said, he's out there. He's available for a reason, no question. His career has not gone as many people thought it would when the Seattle Seahawks made him a first-round draft choice, but the guy's capable. Mm -hmm. You don't play 82 games in the league for no reason. That's right. Or start 82 games. Right. He's got some physical skills. He's going to fit into that room. Um, and it'll be up to Aaron Cromer to get him acclimated and get him ready. Uh, he He may not even be active in week one. It wouldn't surprise me if he was not. Uh, given the, the situation where it is now, but this is this is a I think it's a really good. I think the Bills are solid up front. If they stay healthy and get healthy, with talking about Vaughn on the other side, this is going to be a team that can dominate the line of scrimmage, and they will dominate the line of scrimmage against some of their opponents. Now they may stalemate some people, and then the Jets are a problem, no question. The Dolphins have have got some good guys down inside. Uh, Jalen Phillips on the outside has really come into his own for the Dolphins as well. But this is a group, and when you get down into the into the to the schedule on both sides of the ball, when this team's healthy, they're going to dominate some people up front on both sides. Yeah. The other thing to consider here is what the practice squad could look like come 4 p.m. this afternoon. Um, and if you look at some of the positions on the roster currently, you can make some suppositions as to the direction they may head position-wise. I think you always carry extra offensive and defensive linemen. That's a given. But the receiver position, if in fact Justin Shorter is the move to IR to make room for an extra offensive tackle, like the reported Afedi signing, then you're down to five receivers on your active roster. I think that would behoove the Bills to carry probably two receivers on their practice squad. The guys that I would nominate for that would be Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. Mm-hmm. We'll see who's available, let alone who's willing to take those roles as, you know, cause I would expect them to take it two. Be, it could be shavers or any of those guys. Pat. Yes. I will remind everyone though, that towards the end of the preseason, 
It was Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson who were both back on returns. So dual serving receivers could tip the scales in their favor. Personally, I'd like their body of work through the course of the preseason better than the other guys who got clipped. So it'd be interesting to see who they choose there. And then you've got players who were right on the fringe of making this roster. A guy like a Cameron Klein, for example, who had a really good preseason, but was just at a loaded position at defensive end. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that we would see on the practice squad. Ty Johnson, who came in late at the running back position, he looked fantastic last week against the Chicago Bears. I think he would be in line for a spot if he's not claimed by a 53-man roster. You're probably going to get also Joel Wilson or Jay Sternberger back in the building. I would lean towards Wilson, Steve. I thought he outperformed Sternberger, was more consistent. Um, And... You, yeah, you can go down the list of all, pick the guys you want. Ilyanku right. has been on the practice squad the last few, couple of but years. But Shavers, Patman, Keyshawn Johnson, Isabella. I like the season. I like the preseason that Kendall Vickers put together. The defensive yeah, tackle the defensive number ninety three. Yeah, DJ Dale was was out there for a minute. I don't know that he they've got a spot for him. But all those guys, um, it'd be interesting to hear the conversations because they tell these guys point blank what they're thinking whether they are thumbs up or thumbs down on the practice squad. And, and it's one of those things where you, you send them out in the parking lot, they sit in their car, and then they come back in when the 53 gets adjusted again. There, there were also a couple of draft choices who did not make the 53-man roster. Cornerback Alec Austin, who I think showed some promise. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the practice That's squad. Seventh-round pick. And then the other seventh-round pick, Nick Broker, uh, the, the guard – did not make the roster either. I would expect to see him on the practice squad because Brandon Bean does not like to throw away draft choices. I would anticipate they would try to bring those two players back on the practice squad to develop them further, much the way they successfully developed Alec Anderson, Ryan Vandemark, yeah. and Kingsley Jonathan. When you get down to the seventh round of the draft, you're taking the guy you know about and the thing you think he's got the best traits and can come in and help you. But I'll say this, Alex Austin was in a tough spot yeah. at corner for this team. Corner spot. The Bills are neck deep in really quality corners. So um, hopefully that they don't get their depth tested like they did last year. But um, still, when you get to that third day of the draft, you're taking a guy you think can make it as a pro, basically. Hmm. Um, and even if you even if you've got already got four or five really good corners five in this case for the Bills, you still take the kid if you think he can do it. Unfortunately, this team, he couldn't make it. So Alex Austin is a, is a possibility to come back. I was encouraged by his play through the course of training camp in the preseason. I thought he kind of got better as he went along. Not giant steps, but I think there were little improvements to his game, which, you know, if you're a coach, you say, okay, he, he's getting it here. Let's, let's stick with this kid, mm-hmm. and we may have something in a year. You know what I mean? Next year. When, you know, Dane Jackson's on a one-year deal, you don't know what's going to happen there, you know, and you, know, you may need some depth. And if you got a guy in the pipeline already, knows the defense, has some athleticism, has some size, he's six foot one, 195. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a small corner at all, so definitely worth working with for sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how the practice squad shapes up later this afternoon, so be sure to stay tuned to buffalobills.com for all the updates there. We do know that Brandon Bean, the general manager, is scheduled to address the media at 4 p.m. this afternoon. So there'll be some updates from him on that front. Probably be asked about the decision on Von Miller to PUP. 
thereby taking him out of the first four games of the season while he continues his rehabilitation. It was interesting, though, Steve, that Josh Allen, in an interview uh, with Adam Shine of CBS Sports Radio, he was asked about Josh was asked about Von Miller and the decision to put him on PUP, yeah. and he basically told Adam Shine, "Well, you know, it's it's what we anticipated all along. You know, get himself healthy and be ready to roll Week Five. I was like, "Oh, he didn't does, tell us that. Does, does Josh know something we don't? Week Five, okay? Right. London game, Jacksonville. Sign me up. Let's go. Um, you know, people think there has to be this ramp up period after that four weeks has passed. I'm just telling you right now." Knowing Von Miller the way we do in the one year we've been around him, he's going to be ramping up tomorrow. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know he can't practice with his teammates in the team setting, but you don't think he's going to be over here getting ready for regular season football. You're out of your mind. Right. I, yeah, he's, he's one of the players you have to – they have to put the brakes on. They don't light a fire under him. You no, know, the fire's already burning. Right. They've got to, they've got to stomp on the brakes to keep him from hurting himself or protect him from himself. Um, that's job one with Vaughn. And I think I think the four weeks they're giving him at the beginning of the season are an homage to the fact that he's 34 and, you know, don't need him for 17 games. But we'll take you for 13, you know, and plus the playoffs. So uh, that's where they're at now. We're getting also coming across the uh, – that's been reported now, the Bills, one of the guys they're trying to sign back on their practice squad is the corner that was in camp with him, Kyron Brown. Um, they released him now. They'll probably bring Showed him Showed some back. promise. Yeah. Had some plays. I liked him. He was jersey number 32. So, yeah, that, that's fine by me. He was formerly, me. formerly with the Jets as well. So, yep. the, the Bills are probably going to bring him back. It's being reported anyway. We don't know if this is all just hearsay until we get it comes in through official. But Kyron Brown, who was in camp with the Bills and took some reps, and we, we watched him practice for a month and a half. So, uh We'll see him come back on the yeah, practice squad. He was squad. brought in, if you remember, after Cam Dantzler had an injury and then was waived injured. And he was brought in summarily right after that to kind of fill out the roster. Let's quickly go around the NFL, presented by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills, because there is some news around the league. Chief among them, the outcome with one Jonathan Taylor. He was not traded yesterday. And... By virtue of staying on the Colts roster without a new team, without a new contract, they also put him on reserve PUP. He was on active PUP with his ankle injury. The Colts decide he's going on reserve PUP, which means Jonathan Taylor is out of the equation for the first four weeks of the regular season as well, much like Von Miller. The stuff we hear trickling out about the trade talks that took place was that the Colts were saying they would not trade him unless they were offered a first-round draft choice in return. I think if that was what they were going to stick by, there was no way they were getting that kind of compensation for the running back. As productive as he's been and being only 24 years old, it, it still wasn't going to mean a hill of beans to a, to a bunch of teams that knew, hey, this guy might not be ready for the first month of the season. Why am I giving up a first-round pick for a guy I'm only going to have for 12, 13 games? So I think that was a bit of the fly in the ointment. We're also hearing that the Colts were asking for the moon from the Miami Dolphins in trade negotiations. They wanted Jalen Waddell in return for Jonathan Taylor, and that's, that effectively ended their negotiation talks with the Dolphins. We also found out who the second mystery team was. ESPN's Stephen Holder, who we've had on this show and covers the Colts for ESPN, 
basically found out through his sources that the second team interested in Jonathan Taylor were the Green Bay Packers, Steve, which is interesting considering <laughs> they have Aaron Jones right. and they have A.J. Dillon. Yeah, interesting because what? Yeah. They don't – what? No. You're not going to pay that. You're going to give a first round for Jonathan yeah, Taylor when I mean, you got those two guys and then pay him, put him to a new contract with a – that's dumb. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. There, there was nothing going on there. That that's that was somebody from the Packers calling say, "What about it?" And there was a there was a cursory phone. Yeah, call there was a first like, what, "What's going on over there?" Oh, you're going to trade him? Okay, thanks. What, we're, what does it take? What's first it take? round pick? Oh, okay. Yeah, Good to talk to you. We're him. not going to do that. Thanks. Right. And what were you offering him to begin with for a contract that he refused? <laughs> he refused it. I'm. We're out. Thanks. Yeah. That's that's that that's got to be the extent of the Green Bay Packers' Perhaps. interest. Perhaps. Um, the Patriots fans yesterday were ready to jump off oh my into the Charles River yesterday after learning that the Patriots cut both of their backup quarterbacks, Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. And people on talk radio up there in New England were losing their minds because the only quarterback on the roster was Mac Jones. Uh, those the guys Patriots, will be back too. The Patriots yeah. played their odds, and the odds were in their favor because they had the reports are – that Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham have gone unclaimed and will revert and be signed to the Patriots practice squad, both of them. So The practice as squad. Bad, as bad as Patriots fans felt yesterday, you might feel worse today because there were 31 other teams who said, yeah, you know what, we're good. Don't need either of those quarterbacks. We're good. You can have them. And so now yeah. the, the Patriots are going to sign both of those guys to their practice squad and pay them significantly less money. So the interesting part is... If I'm a Patriots fan, I'm even more worried now. Holy cow. 31 other teams don't want those guys, and there are backups to Mac Jones? (laughs) So that's where they are. You would think, like, who? Wouldn't the the Eagles... Like, the Eagles open up with the Patriots at home. Wouldn't you like... The Eagles, like, hey, you want to come be on our practice squad? We'll give, you know... Or the Dolphins. Yeah. Or the Dolphins in week two. Pick up Bailey Zappi. I don't think people feel they need inside intel to beat the Patriots these days. Just saying. Well, nobody knows that much about what's going on over there. Yeah, that's valid. You know? That's valid. But still, the same. The the point is, they have stunk so bad in the preseason, the backup quarterbacks. The Patriots knew nobody wanted them. Nevertheless, they're signing them back. Now, they're not going to sign him back to the – they'll sign him back to the 53, right? One of them. They said it looks like they're both going to – why would you cut him then? Well, because they wanted somebody else to be on the 53 for the day. Oh, injury you know designation. Yes. They thinking? got to have a backup quarterback on week one. Yeah. You could do the practice squad elevation, though. I mean, that is an option. You could do it three times with – up to three times for a player and then just revert right back to the practice squad without going through waivers. Yeah, whatever. We know that they do stuff different up there. It used to be called ingenious move by Bill Belichick. Now, not so much. Now it looks cray-cray. Yeah, (laughs) it does look a little cray-cray, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) Some notable waiver claims thus far today, um, because the waiver claim window basically closed or opened at noon to announce waiver claims. Kansas City Chiefs claim defensive back Darius Rush on waivers from the Colts. I believe he was the guy that had the interception here in week one of the preseason against the Bills. So he got claimed by the Chiefs. 
Chargers claimed linebacker Tanner Muse on waivers from the Steelers. He's a special teams guy. So Chargers look to augment their special teams with his acquisition. Titans claimed defensive back Kendall Vildor on waivers from the Bears. He was like running third string with Chicago. He's just a depth piece for the Titans. Uh, we hope anyway. And uh, the Browns claimed defensive back Kalef Hailassi on waivers from the Chiefs. So those are some of the more notable ones that have taken place so far. We also saw that the uh, former first-round pick, Alex Leatherwood, who the Bills played last week with the Bears, he got cut by the Bears yesterday. He's signing with the Browns practice squad. And then Tyree Jackson, Steve, remember that name, former uh, UB player who played quarterback and then transitioned to tight end in the league. He was with the Eagles, got cut. He's signing with the Giants practice squad. So those are just some of the more notable transactions going on around out there. Uh, we do want to get to the topic of the day for you at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Now with the initial 53-man roster set, which position group do you believe to be the strongest on this year's Bills roster to start the season? 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the numbers to join us here on the show. And we do have open lines for you. Or if you can't make a phone call, you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at one bills live. We will take a break here, but more of your phone calls. We also have Greg Cosell coming up in the second hour. He's going to break down the roster with us now that the bills 53 is initially set. And we also hope to hear from Kingsley Jonathan, who addressed the media after practice. One of the feel good stories of the bills, 53 man roster all coming your way here on a Wednesday edition of one bills live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Well, you know, I talk about Nick Broker and Alex Austin. <laughs> we turn around. They're gone. And they got claimed on waivers by the Houston Texans to their active roster. So Alex Austin and Nick Broker, two of the Bills' seventh-round draft choices. Now Houston Texans. The Minnesota Vikings also reportedly have uh, signed veteran David Questenberry. He was a veteran player, so he's essentially a free agent. So he's going to join the Vikings as an offensive lineman there. And then we're hearing that uh, Zane Anderson has been claimed by the Green Bay Packers. Special teams guy, played safety here, uh, was buried behind a deep safety group here. There was no chance of him making the roster. The good news is we are hearing reports that Andy Isabella will be signed to Buffalo's practice squad. He reportedly had other offers elsewhere, but felt this was a good spot for him. And uh, all indications are he will be on Buffalo's practice squad. Obviously, nothing will be coming from the team officially until later this afternoon. So that is the latest update, at least as of right now. If we have more, we will pass them along to you through the course of today's show. But we are asking you at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, with the initial 53-man roster set, which position group do you feel is the strongest on this year's team to start the season, 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Got some open lines for you to join us, or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. But let's go to the phones. Leading us off today is Ron in Lackawanna. What do you got for us, Ron? You're on One Bills Live. Afternoon, guys. Great show all the time. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say, okay, the cornerback spots I think is very strong. 
I know we worked on the offensive and defensive line, so I'm not going to go there. I like the running back room. Mm-hmm. And I've got another question for you. I'm not crazy about Kyle Allen as our backup quarterback. Do you think you see – do you see anything there out there on a waiver wire that you like? I like this kid DeVito that was playing for the Giants in preseason. I'm going to hang up and I'll listen to you guys. Okay, bye. You bet. Thanks, Ron. Uh, thanks, Ron. I, I did not see anybody play for the Giants. Yeah, uh, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. I didn't see any of that. I, I'm not – yeah, I'm not sweating the backup quarterback for the Bills. I think Kyle Allen demonstrated some progress in the Chicago game. Uh, I thought his best throw of the preseason, my broadcast partner, Eric Wood, said it right after it happened. Best throw of the preseason was the 29-yard dart down the seam to Quentin Morris for the touchdown against Chicago last week. Um, I felt as though there were signs that it's, it's coming together for him, and I think he'll get there. So I'm okay with Kyle Allen. I really am. Uh, I know he didn't set the world on fire early in the preseason, but I thought he made progress as the preseason went on. Well, I, I'll say this too: um, he got start. He got off to a bad start, particularly for the fans when he threw an interception for a touchdown against the Colts. But he actually the throw was great. It went off the hands of Shavers and tipped right into the hands of a defender sprinting the other direction. I mean, he couldn't have been worse luck for him, and he got crushed for it but it, he made a great throw and a right decision and all that so you know uh and in chicago i thought he played much better and he got extended time in chicago um he's got a live arm and the throw down the seam to to um quentin morris, quentin morris was really nice throw so yeah i'm like i said i'll say it again his job isn't to play his job is to make josh play better um in the meetings, on the sidelines, off the field, in game day, between series, help Josh play better. That's his job. I don't care if he can take a snap. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones and to Rick in Rochester. What do you got for us, Rick? Well, this year, I think because of the new rules, there's going to be a lot more big plays, you know, uh, kickoff returns than expected because um, – yeah, I think people are just going to think they're going to fair catch it, and they're not going to just going to take off with him because uh, we don't have many special team players. I'm talking about in the whole NFL, not just Buffalo. I think there's going to be more returns in, in, than ever. What do you think about that? I don't know if I 100% agree with you, Rick, and I'll tell you why, and, and thanks for the phone call. I think a lot of these teams in the preseason kept their plans for the kickoff close to the vest, didn't really reveal much, but we got a peek at it late in the game against Chicago last week. Cairo Santos sends a line drive about eight feet off the ground the whole way down the field, out of the back of the end zone. There was no way, I think it was Darrington Evans at the time, to get over to that side of the field fast enough to even field the ball. Right. And I think as long as you have a kicker that can prove to you that he can line drive that thing, straight through the back of the end zone without any risk of it going out of bounds. I think you're going to see a good deal of that, especially for teams that feel they might be lacking a little bit uh, in the return game and don't want to even give the returner an opportunity to field it or if they're going against a very dangerous return man. Um, Because if you pop it up and hang it high to a dangerous return man, sure, he could fair catch it and get it at 25, 
But if he's worth his salt, he's probably going to try to bring it back against you, and you don't want to put your cover team in that spot. So if you can just line drive it through the end zone, you might choose to go that way or just skip it off the ground. That's right. And that's going to be harder to return also. The simple fact of the matter is we don't know what's going to happen. And I don't, because I know what we saw in the preseason is not what's going to happen in the regular season. Yeah. They're not going to kick it like normal, down the middle, high, let the guy return it. That was all to evaluate their own kick cover guys. They didn't, that's what it was all about. They, that is not game strategy, that is roster management strategy. I don't know what it's going to look like on opening day in the kickoff when teams aren't going to want to give people the 25. They're going to take a chance and one hop it down there. Or they're going to get – if the ball lands and hops and on the ground once, you can't fair catch it after that. So they're not going to let them fair catch that. Yeah. They want to get the ball – the idea is to kick it. And you, this is elementary. I'm sure I'm talking to some people and they're rolling their eyes. The ball needs to take as long as possible for the return team to field it. That's why you kick the thing a mile high but in the field of play so that it gives your guys a chance to run further down the field to tackle him sooner. That's what they want, but now they're not going to be able to kick it high because the guy will just fair catch it and get it on the 25. Whenever the Bills got a chance to cover a kickoff last year, nobody ever made it to the 25. It might have a hand, not even a handful of times. In all, the, in all the touchdowns the Bills scored, there wasn't a handful of times where the team got the ball outside the 25. I think they were top five in kick coverage last year. They want to continue that because it's a benefit to them. So they're going to figure out a way to make it hard for the return team to field the ball so that they can have as much time as they possibly can to run down there closer to the return guy. Then finally, when he does pick it up, you want to be right on top of him. Whether they're going to one-hop it so he can't fair catch it or, or dribble it down there hot like a, like a grounder in baseball and hope for a bad bounce. But if you do that, if you, if you hit it hot down the middle, there's a chance it gets there quicker. And that's a roll of the dice. Then you, then you might be you know kind of cutting your own throat doing that right and also if the return guy has got some savvy and some patience and some courage he'll let that thing bounce around just let it bounce into the end zone presto changer you're back out of the 25 anyway so I think there's going to be more gamesmanship with this rule change on kickoff than there has been in any rule change in special. There have been rule changes in special teams every year. I think this is the one where they open up the can of worms that maybe some guys are going to start trying some stuff that's going to make the game look different on kickoffs. But we don't know. I mean, it's a good call. I think it's – I mean, I don't want to give up a 25-yard line. That's big. But if you get it down there and it's bouncing around and the guy's chasing around like he can't pick it up and he's can't, it's like a dog chasing his tail trying to pick up a bouncing oblong ball, all of a sudden he picks it up and he's squashed inside the five. That can happen, and it will happen this, this year at some point. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know it won't happen, but opening night a week from tomorrow – which, who's the Thursday night game? I don't even know. Who is it? Do you know who's opening the season? Who is it? Who's the Thursday night? I don't even it's watch the it. the Chiefs and the Lions. All right, Chiefs and Lions. What ha- opening, opening kickoff of the entire season, what's going to happen when they, when they dribble it down, down the field instead of kicking a booming kickoff? And now the league kicks off, like, with a little skid. Not quite as impressive. Yeah. But it may happen. 
I don't know what's going to – I think it's – Nobody gonna, knows. I think it's going to be different. Nobody knows. That's for sure. Um, let's get back to the phones because we're asking you what position group you believe is the strongest on this initial Bills 53-man roster. We've heard D-line. We've heard running back, which is a conversation we can get into. But let's go to Joe in Williamsville next. What do you say, Joe? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, as far as the group, uh, I believe the receiving group would be the strongest position on a team uh, because of the talent that we have on there. And it's, I'm also including uh, Dalton Kincaid and uh, Knox, our tight ends. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're a very talented group of, of players, and that's what makes our team go. Uh, Steve, I did have a question for you regarding Von Miller on the pup list. Does his salary still count toward the salary cap uh, for the first four games, even though he's he's not going to be able to play? And then just one more comment. Uh, I, with the Taylor, uh, the, the Taylor Johnson situation in Indianapolis, thank goodness we have uh, the Pagulas running our team where they stay out of it and they don't get involved in, uh, you know, matters like that. Uh, because I think Robert Israel had a lot to do with this situation the way it is. Anyway, I'll hang up and listen to you guys. Thanks for again. Yeah, thanks, Bye-bye. Joe. Um, the PUP, I don't know. It's the top 51 players on your roster that count towards the cap. Now, if you're on PUP, I don't think you're on the roster, right? You are not on the roster. So You are in a reserve designation. Right, so that means – they probably have a lot of cap room right now that they're going to lose when Vaughn comes back. So, yes, I don't, I don't think Vaughn counts toward the salary cap uh, on PUP. So, yeah, the cap becomes irrelevant when you lose a guy like that with that big a hit. So, there you have it. Uh, for the caller that was asking about Tommy DeVito, he has been signed to the Giants practice squad. So he is back with the Giants and not an option I believe it was Ron and Lackawanna that was asking about him. When we come back, we can discuss the running back position for the Bills. We heard Ron and Lackawanna say that he believes it's one of the strongest position groups on the roster. Steve and I will debate that when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We are asking you today, which position group on this initially set Bills 53-man roster do you feel is the strongest on this year's team to start the season? 803-0550, one of our earlier callers, Steve, suggested the running back group, and I think it's been somewhat overlooked. It is, it is a lot stronger, in my opinion, than it was last year. You have a dynamic talent in the backfield, and James Cook, who can do everything you need on a football field from that position. And then you have two physical, hard-running guys behind him in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. I mean, that is a pretty good crew right there and certainly an upgrade from last year. And Harris and Murray, well, they all three, and Cook as well, they all flash, particularly in the run game now. Cook flashed a little bit in the passing game as well. I, I like what we saw from him in his limited action, but uh, Damian Harris and Latavius Murray both, I thought, showed something in the preseason. And 
what I like about it is given the possibility that you get down to the red zone and you don't have to have your quarterback carry the load in the running game. That's a plus. Both of those guys can do it and run physical. And and it doesn't matter if the defense knows that Josh isn't carrying the ball anymore in the red zone. Those guys are still going to get the yards. So I'm uh, particularly with the size of the offensive line the Bills now have. So I'm, I feel good that now you can take one more thing, even though, albeit a small niche uh, situational football away from Josh. It's not on his plate anymore to you know run the student body right, student body left out of the shotgun with two or three offensive linemen ahead of him. I mean, it's work. It worked really good, but you know, somebody falls the wrong way, and now you're now you're sunk. You think about the way Latavius Murray ran in the first preseason game against the Colts. Think about the way Damian Harris ran in the third preseason game against the Bears. And then think about this, too. The way in which the Bills ran the football from start to finish against the Bears. First team, second team, third team. It was a clinic. Yeah. And, and in not the same way that we've seen in recent years from this football team. Now, I am not indicating by any stretch of the imagination that this team is suddenly going to be a 50-50 run-pass team. That is not happening here as I see it. But when they have to turn to the run game in certain instances, whether they have a big lead and want to salt the game away, or for some reason their passing game's out of sync and they have to turn to something else, I got to tell you, I feel a whole lot better about them turning to that part of their offense if they need to. The ripple effects are are big because if you you do get a, a running game where whenever you call on it, it's a positive play and like a or four yard run at least, all of a sudden, it, it broadens the situations where the defense knows there's a pretty good chance they're going to hand this off. They know you're not afraid to do that. And you're picking up third downs on a third and three or third and four when you're handing it off under center. Man, oh, man, the defense is like, because then all of a sudden, you know, you start out and all of a sudden you're now you're in shotgun and you're you're throwing it. On a third and five, you're throwing it eight yards down the field and getting a 15-yard run after it. Man, the defense is un- under, under an enormous amount of pressure, all because they believe there's just as likely a chance in this personnel that you're going to hand it to the guy and we're going to have to stop him. We haven't done that yet. The ripple effects and what that opens up for an offensive coordinator and Josh and the whole thing, it just makes you so much more efficient, so much more efficient. And – like I said, it broadens the window of opportunities to hand the ball off and the, not just the opportunities, but the possibility that the defense is going to have to sit there and go, man, I don't, I don't know if they're going to run it or pass it here. Because there was no more, not much question about it a year ago. Correct. They're putting it in the hands of 17. Yeah. So much so that play action kind of disappeared from the offense to even hint that a run could be coming. I mean, they didn't even do that a whole lot last year. So, at least in the second half of the season. Right. So, it'd be nice to see them get back to more of that, too. And with a stronger running game, people are buying it better. They're buying right. those play fakes even more than they did last year, which could open up big plays down the field for your passing game. Uh, just to update everybody, in terms of all of the reports circulating out there, here are the names that have been linked to Buffalo's practice squad, which will be officially assembled, effective at 4 p.m., Here are the names that have been reported as players set to sign to the Bills practice squad. Ilyanku, 
Kyron Brown, as Steve mentioned earlier, Jamarcus Ingram, the other corner, UB product, DJ Dale, the undrafted rookie from Alabama, Cameron Klein, Andy Isabella, Joel Wilson, and Richard Garage. Those are the names that have all been linked to the Bills practice squad. Again, we'll get official confirmation on the 16 members of that squad later this afternoon. And don't be surprised if they only name, let's say, 14. Maybe they're still working on a couple of others. Yeah. But it'll be filled out, presumably, by the end of the week, maybe as soon as tomorrow at this time. We have to take a break here because when we come back, we're going to be joined by our good friend, senior producer of NFL Films, one Greg Cosell. He's going to dice up the roster decisions on this Bills 53-man squad with us when we return for hour number two. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you talking Bill's initial 53-man roster. We're expecting some tweaks and here to discuss some of the initial decisions made by the Bill's personnel and coaching staff departments is our good friend from NFL Films, the senior producer, Greg Cosell. Greg, how you doing? Brownie, Steve, what's happening? Oh, you know, just a little roster juggling here and there uh, and probably a little bit more before it's all said and done. What do you expect, Brownie? What do you think is going to happen? Well, Reed Ferguson has got to get back on the roster. They had him off of it just for a little roster juggling maintenance. So we're expecting some players to get IR'd to create some space. I'm sure you've seen the reports that the Bills are expected to sign Jermaine Effetti, uh, the veteran offensive tackle. So that'll fortify the ranks there. And since we are talking tackle, Greg, let's talk about the ascension of one Ryan Vandemark. The UConn product (laughs) played three years of left tackle at UConn, was on the practice squad here last year, worked with Aaron Cromer for over a year, and rocketed up the depth chart through the course of the summer to not only make the 53-man roster, but to unseat last year's swing tackle, David Quessenberry, who didn't even make the 53-man squad. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, to be honest with you, and other than watching him in the preseason, I did not know much about Vandermark. I had to look up his background and saw that he was a three-year starter in college. But seeing him in the preseason, you know, and I think we discussed him a week or so ago, length, athleticism, moves well, certainly has the traits you look for at the position. Um, now, again, in an ideal world, you're, you know, you probably don't want him to be your starter given what they do have, but I guess we'll see how this plays out. Dawkins is certainly entrenched at the left tackle position. My guess is that there are some question marks about right tackle at this point in time as to how that, you know, plays out. Uh, because the one thing we all know is that you'd like to get five out 
and not have to keep someone in to help your right tackle and pass protection, particularly on third down. So we'll see how all that plays out. But yeah, Vandermark is certainly looks the part. He's got tremendous length, long arms, long body, good feet. Um, it's a good story. And obviously Aaron Cromer has been doing this a long time. So he obviously feels very good about him. Yeah, and we and the the question mark seems to be Spencer Brown, and he was a, a roller coaster yep. last year. He, he spent the whole off season recovering from a a minor back in, a back surgery that he had. Then he comes in, gets a high ankle sprain. Never seemed to find his stride last year, and it was a little bit. And it was is it fair to say it was like a roller coaster last year. He'd have really good reps and bad reps. You know, it was just both yeah. ends of the spectrum, and that's really what you you hate to see. You know, in the offense, you'd rather have the guy at least at a level where you know how much you've got to help him from play to play. But that well, seems to be a problem with Brown, right? The other thing, too, Steve, and, and this is just the nature of your quarterback. I mean, Josh Allen's a great quarterback. That's not the point. But he's a certain kind of quarterback. You know, Josh Allen will have a tendency to leave the pocket at times before he has to. And, and he makes special plays doing so. And he'll probably always be that kind of quarterback to some extent. And when it's his front side and he would see someone you know uh, the pass rusher the edge pass rusher look like they're beating brown you know josh would move and you know so the, the nature of your quarterback and a right tackle that was up and down as you said and the tape showed that because i ended up watching a ton of josh allen dropbacks about uh, two three weeks ago you know the tape showed that that brown would often initially get beat and Josh could see that because it's in his, you know, it's his front side. And that would cause him to break down at times before he had to. And you don't really want to be in that situation. Uh, moving to the other side of the ball, another former practice squatter who made the 53-man roster, Greg. Kingsley Jonathan, the Syracuse product, undrafted rookie, signs with the Bills last year, gets plucked off their practice squad, plays five games in Chicago. They cut him last year. The Bills managed to get him back on their practice squad for the duration last season, comes in this year, has an advanced repertoire of pass rush moves, uh, had a great sack against the Steelers in preseason game number two where he flattened after beating the man on a rip move. And then last week has a left arm stab on the left tackle and then spins back underneath the pass rush arc and almost gets to Justin Fields. Just your thoughts on the advances that Kingsley Jonathan has made in his game to make a spot on the 53. Yeah, great story, too, because as you start looking at his history, he's, you know, one of those guys that seems like he's, you know, free agent, then he's waived, then he's claimed, then he's waived, then he's, you know, he's one of those guys. Really good length uh, for the position. You know, he could play inside or outside. Um, you know, and I, and again, obviously those kinds of players are, I think are important to, um, to Sean McDermott, you know, I think players who can line up inside or outside and, and obviously he's going to be a rotational player. He's not going to play 60 snaps a game, but I think they're looking for pass rush, you know, until Von Miller gets back, which I guess the earliest would be the fifth game of the season or the fifth week. Right. Right. Based on. Yeah. So, um, you know, and until he comes back, you're looking for pass rush in an ideal world. I think they would prefer not to have to pressure a lot, although with Sean calling the defense, you know, depending on, on what he sees, his background certainly comes from a Jim Johnson in Philadelphia back uh, back in the day. And he was a very big blitz guy. So you don't know how this will play out when the regular season starts. Um, but if you don't want to blitz, you need your front four, obviously, to exert meaningful, consistent pressure on the quarterback, at least speed him up if you don't sack him. 
So Jonathan could be a guy that fits that. The other thing I'm curious about, Brownie, I don't know if you're going to go there with this. What kind of camp, uh, because I'm not there every day, you guys are. What kind of camp did Leonard Floyd have? Uh, I was just going to ask you about him. What in the past he's been a, like a nine and a half, ten sack, or you know, right at nine, nine and a half sacks every year. He came in and seems to have, you know, kind of solidified his spot there. We're going to ask you what about his production? Uh, he seems to be behind Rousseau for the time being, and behind Von Miller when he's out, out there. Yeah, but he's got those. He's long and got a lot of traits and. Yeah. I think we've got some expectations for him. I think they kind of paced him through training camp, Greg. They really didn't give him a crazy amount of reps because I think after the spring and then the first week of camp, I think they were like, okay, he's checking all the boxes. He is what we thought he was. Let's look at some of these younger guys that they had to get a handle on, like a Kingsley Jonathan or a Cameron Klein. And so he was kind of paced through training camp. The reason I asked is because, you know, and, and Steve just hit upon it, um, he's never become, I think, what people might have hoped because I think he was a top 10 pick initially, but he's long, he's athletic, he looks the part, he's had moments in this league where you said, wow, that's pretty good. And, and the reason I mentioned him is if he can play, particularly in your pass rush situations, maybe he's not a full-time starter, and he probably won't be, but if he can come in in your sub-fronts and play on the edge, my question becomes this. Does Rousseau in your sub-fronts, does he move inside? And do you have Miller and Floyd on the edge? Because Rousseau, people may not remember this, but I obviously studied Rousseau coming out of the University of Miami. And at the University of Miami, Rousseau played inside a lot on third downs and was very good at it. And he's got tremendous length and tremendous leverage. And again, he's played almost exclusively on the outside for the Bills in his uh, two years, I guess. Is he a yeah. two-year player? Yeah. Keep talking about year. it, though, yeah. Greg, because Greg, you're, we've, we've, you're speaking my turbo package into yes. existence. So we, have at it. Yeah, been, well, that's, I mean, again, I you know, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm on speed dial with Sean or anything, but, you know, if Floyd can be an edge pass rusher, because he certainly looks the part, we know Von Miller is coming back and you bring Rousseau inside and, you know, maybe you get a better four man pass rush and you're able to play and do, you know, do a lot more in coverage. Yeah. We've, we have spoken at length on the show about the exact same thing. When Rousseau came out, oh, you saw a lot of film of him on the nose, you know, he was that right down correct. inside and, uh you know, at six seven, which is what he is in long and lean, um, a guy like Tua, um, somebody the smaller stature quarterbacks are going to have this guy right in their face with his arms up. Um, I mean, think of a guy like DeForest Buckner, who's six seven or yeah. really, really it, good defensive tackle, and you know those guys they stick their arms up, and man, they they, they got a lot of length to them. Yeah, it's it's going to be a problem. And you you said it. I mean, Brownie and I were thinking about the exact same thing when Lloyd when Leonard Floyd showed up as to what would happen when Vaughn came in and put Floyd on the outside and then just move him down with Ed Oliver down inside as well, who's a penetrator. It seemed to be a really nice package of, of pass rushes with a lot of speed and, bend, and you know, ability to get the corner. And look, you know, the bottom line is to this point in time, I know they signed Oliver, okay? But, you know, he's a, he's a shorter guy. And at this point in time, he's not really shown to be a pass rusher per se. So, you know, we talked about someone like Kingsley Jonathan. He's 6'4". You know, what happens if, and again, I'm just throwing this out. We don't know anything right now, and I want that to be clear. We don't really know anything. Right. All we're doing is talking talking ball, you know, like a bunch of guys sitting around the bar talking ball. 
But I mean, let's say you had Floyd and Miller on the outside and Rousseau and Jonathan inside in your sub. You know, you got speed off the edge. You got size inside. Uh, who knows? I mean, you know, all this has to get worked out. Yeah. Right. And I'll just uh, make water the seed that you just planted by telling you that Greg Rousseau worked with DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead this offseason in Charlotte there you go. and down at Clemson. So could be an indication on where he might be lining up at least part of the time this season for the Bills. I wanted to talk that's to you an about it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's really interesting, though, Brownie, because I wonder if he did that, like if the organization mentioned anything about it to him to do that, or if he just did that on his own. Because, you know, obviously those guys, you know, Armstead's played inside and outside. Buckner is, is an exclusive inside player, but they're both six 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 seven. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. I, I think body types are somewhat similar, so maybe that was the impetus behind yeah. it, but it's still interesting nonetheless. I wanted to talk to you about Buffalo's cornerback situation. They are, they are deep there in terms of capable talent, you know, with the two yeah. draft choices from last season, along with Dane Jackson and Tredavious White. Steve and I were knocking this around the other day, and I'm curious if you have – uh, a working knowledge of how prevalent this could be. But we were talking about how it, it looks, at least going into this week and week one next week, that Christian Benford may have eked out Dane Jackson for the starting corner job opposite Tredavious White. But clearly you have two corners behind the two projected starters with starting experience, with uh, a body of work that shows they are capable of making plays, and we were kind of throwing around the idea and the notion that, hey, you know what? In a given week, a given matchup might make it a good idea to put Kyrie Elam man-to-man on a guy and have him follow somebody all week. And maybe somebody else steps out of the starting lineup so Elam can execute that assignment. I, just, I guess what I'm getting at, Greg, is these four corners, top to bottom, to me, there isn't a tremendous amount of separation between them. I think that's part of what made the cornerback two battle here so difficult to discern and pick a winner. So with that in mind, well, I'm wondering how prevalent it is around the league to kind of maybe spot start a corner in a given week from the guy that you normally have out there playing 50, 60 snaps a week. Well, you normally, I mean, just you normally don't see that, Brownie. I mean, again, that doesn't mean it can't happen. I was going to ask you guys, and I'm glad you brought this up. What is going on with Kyrie Elam? I mean, because I mean, I've seen the preseason games, and you know, has he gotten beat a few times? You know, yeah, but not badly. Where you went, oh my God, that guy can't play. So something's going on there through camp. I mean, has he not performed well? I I wouldn't say that. I mean, there are instances where he might get a little grabby. We saw that in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, down in the end zone, but really it was an inconsequential yeah. penalty in the end zone because the team was, the Steelers were already on the two yard line. It was essentially a one yard penalty that you take, but it was on a third and goal. So you don't want to do that on a third and goal from the two and give them first and goal at the one. Yeah, it's a one yard penalty, but it's also a fresh set of downs. So recognition of down and distance, time and score. I think those are things that he's got to focus uh, on more than his ability to play the football. And I think one more thing that we, talked about a little bit is that I, I don't know that it's they like all four of these guys a bunch Tredavious Dane Jackson Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford they all have a different feel and I think there's right. some I think there's some difference of opinion on the staff 
about which one they think is a better fit or, you know, the bigger upside as opposed to the steady player kind of thing. Uh, I think there's some of that going on as well because I think they like all of those guys and Taron Johnson, of course. So I like they well, like. It's interesting you say that because Brownie, when you were talking a, a moment ago about you know week to week, I started thinking of Bill Belichick and the way you know he would some, some weeks he could play guys and the next week a guy could be you know he could be inactive and and the next week he could, he could be a starter. Now I'm not suggesting that's going to happen here, but I don't know if. If they really like all these guys, maybe it is possible that it becomes a opponent specific who they're playing, how much man they want to play versus how much zone. You know, there's so many factors, as you guys know, that go into it. Um, but, uh, you know, look, Tredavious White, he's I would doubt that he would ever sit. But, you know, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but I would doubt that. But then so then I think you're dealing with the three other guys and how they might play out, you know, depending on who they're playing. Yeah, I mean, I think Benford had the best body of work through the course of the preseason. He was probably the most consistent of the three that were competing. And then, you know, I think Dane Jackson's just kind of like a steady Eddie player. At times, he shows a nose for the football. Kair is the most physically gifted of the three. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what kind of gets me, because I, I keep seeing this in my head. Last year in the playoffs, Bills Dolphins up here, wild card playoff game. Tyreek Hill runs an 18-yard dig route, and Kyrie Elam is with him every step of the way. And after the play, Tyreek Hill actually turns around like, who the heck was with me stride for stride on an 18-yard comeback? That never happens. Like, he was shocked. Right, right. And so I think about right. that. Just one, I know it's just one play, but now it makes me think like, hey, we're game planning for the Dolphins. We got Waddle and Tyreek Hill to worry about. Why would we not put our best physically gifted corner on one of these guys as a game plan for the game? No, it, I mean, it, it's possible. You just, you know, that becomes a coaching decision and a philosophy. And, you know, I don't think any of us can answer that right now. Right. Um, the other question I was going to ask you guys, if they had a lineup and play tomorrow, who's the linebacker next to Milano? Yeah, I think it's Tyrell Dodson. That's our, that's our guess. Yeah, I, I think – Bernard missed the entire preseason. He just got back on the practice field today and is not all the way back from the hamstring injury. To me, I don't know how you feel about this, Greg, but I think there's a couple of reasons why it, it's got to be Dodson. And look, he's, he's got his strengths and he has his drawbacks to his game. Um, but I think he gives you just a little bit more than, than A.J. Klein does, who's not on the roster right now. We'll see if he winds up on the Bills practice squad as veteran insurance. Um, number one, I just think Bernard missed way too much time to be considered right now for the starting job. And I think if you if Bernard has this recovery this week and then you know can practice fully next week and then you put him in the starting lineup, I think it's an insult to Tyrell Dotson because you're basically rendering his entire preseason meaningless. And I if I'm right. Tyrell Dotson, I'm like, what the heck did I do for the last three games? Why was I busting my hump to earn this job when you were just going to give it to this guy anyway, who did nothing in the preseason? I think it's a, I think and it's he a played bad a lot look. Of snaps, Dotson too. And yeah. Dotson played a lot of snaps. So yeah, they, they a, wanted to see him play. Yeah. I think that kind of decision would be a, a bad look in the locker room, if, if you will. So that's not to say that Terrell Bernard couldn't be the starting middle linebacker by week four, but I think right now for week one, it's, it, I think it's going to be Dotson. What's your sense of Dorian Williams and his and his uh, preseason and training camp? 
I thought he had a great preseason. I, th I thought he was very productive. It was a shame he missed the last game with the calf injury because he was really on the ascent there. I mean, he was the leading tackler in both games for this team, you know, from the will position. I know at the end of one of those preseason games, they moved him back over to Mike a little bit. But as of right now, we're not getting the sense that he is part of that equation yet. Yeah. I would tend to think it's, it's going to kind of go based on how either Dotson and or Bernard look. And if they don't fulfill all the responsibilities of that role, he could shift back yeah. there. I wouldn't rule it out. I think the thing about Dorian Williams is you know, he, it was a little bit too much for him early on. He, and with everything that's going on in your first training camp and you're trying to grab it all, I think they felt like it was too much on his plate to, to give it to him, uh, both the mic and the will. So they gave I mean, him the, the will. I the one thing about him, without, you know, without knowing how he's taught, you know, obviously it's different from when he was taught at Tulane. It's a whole different deal. Right. But he definitely, and, and I, I hate to sound cliched, Steve, but you know exactly what I'm talking about because you played with guys like this. He is definitely a see ball, get ball guy. I right. Mean, he, he may make a mistake, I'm sure, you know, when they chart every snap, but he is around the football and he makes tackles. Yeah, and that's what I think they see. But I, I think in the beginning – they didn't want to overload him mentally and want to let him play like that, see ball, get ball with making fewer mistakes. And now yeah. that he's been in it for a month and a half, now they're starting, you know, like you said, they gave him a minute at the mic uh, where he'd been backing up Milano for a whole training camp. Well, you got to trust him. I mean, you know how it is with defensive coaches. Both of you guys know you've been around the game. That's a word you hear all the time from defensive coaches. It's why sometimes guys with lesser talent play because they can trust them to do the right thing on every play. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. They got to know yeah. you're gonna because and particularly playing Mike, you doing what you're supposed to do makes all the other ten guys do what they're supposed to do because you're yeah. the guy talking to them and making the key. You're making the adjustments in the adjustment packages, and if you're not on it, something's gonna go haywire and somebody's gonna be running free with nobody on them. Last one we that's had. Correct. Last one we had for you, Greg um, Hardy and Sherfield two of the new, more prominent additions to the receiving core. I think we were very encouraged by what we saw uh, from those two through the course of the preseason. From Hardy in particular in this last preseason game against Chicago, we saw how Ken Dorsey, at least we got indication, of how he wants to get him out in space in a variety of different ways, knowing what he can do when he has space available to him in terms of getting yards after the catch. Um, well, just based on what has the preseason told you about how those two can help this passing game? Well, the other thing, too, is Hardy was with, with the um, Saints. And the year that Jameis Williams started with the Saints and before he got hurt, you know, week seven or eight, he hit Hardy on a couple of deep bombs. That kid can run. And obviously you got a quarterback that can throw at the length of the football field. So to have a guy that can really run as well, besides being very good run after catch, whether you're talking jet sweeps or tunnel screens, but this kid can run and get over the top. So, you know, I think you'll see some specific plays for him because he's got a track record, Brownie, in the league. I've seen him. Um, you know, in Sherfield, I always thought Sherfield was just a really solid kind of number three type receiver. I can remember last year, I think it was the first play of the game against the 49ers. Yep. The 49ers made a defensive mistake in coverage, and he caught a probably a 12-yard in-breaking route, and he took it to the house for a 75-yard touchdown. He's always been a solid receiver. Um, you know, one of those kinds of guys that I think every team needs. Like, I'm, he's certainly a different receiver than, let's say, a Cole Beasley stylistically, 
But, you know, he, I think he's one of those guys you can trust on third down. And I think every team needs that kind of guy. And we heard from Brandon Bean that, you know, and we told you that most of the guys in the bottom of the roster be behind Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis and Hardy and Isabella and, uh, and Shakir, the guys they brought in were all big, really big. And yeah. sure, sure feels a little bit bigger as well. I mean, he's six foot and stuff. Yes. But and they kept shorter, who's uh, almost six four. That's right. So, but Brandon Bean told us Sean, uh, that Josh Allen seems to like littler guys because of the way they separate in tight spaces. You know the the quick. So he they're like they're like like he loved Cole Beasley, he liked John Brown, he liked those guys like that, and he continues to like to like uh, Hardy, and he liked Isabella in the preseason as well. So um, I don't know that. It, we were raised our eyebrows. They had three guys from all the receivers they had last year: Shakir, Davis, and Diggs. As the only guys in the room that are the same as last year, that gave us some hesitation yeah. going into training camp. But I think these guys that they have got with Sherfield and Hardy seem to be the right guys. Well, we'll find out. It's getting to be that time, guys. We're, yeah. uh, they open with the Jets Monday Night Football. The uh, the nation will be watching. They will indeed, and we'll be previewing that with you next week. Uh, thanks very much for the time. As always, Greg, as I said, we'll catch up with you in week one. We finally made it. Back to the start of the regular season, and your film watching begins. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Look forward to next week. All right. All right That's Greg. Greg Cosell joining us here, senior producer from NFL Films. He'll also be firing up as co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bill's Jets is on his docket for week one. Uh, we will take a break here. When we return, we're going to hear from one Kingsley Jonathan who addressed the media after practice today and undoubtedly will talk about making the 53-man roster of your Buffalo Bills. That's coming up next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. A bit of Bills practice squad news, courtesy of NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. He is reporting that former Texans captain and starting linebacker Christian Kirksey, who was a surprise, Kirksey, who was a surprise cut on Tuesday, is planning to sign with the Bills practice squad and uh, that he prioritized winning for his next destination. Obviously, he's been dealing with a lot of losing down in Houston with the Texans. That guy was the team's leading tackler last year in Houston. He is also, if memory serves me, former college teammate of one Micah Hyde at the University of Iowa. <gasps> so how about that? Um, but yeah, 124 tackles last year, seven tackles for a loss and a fumble recovery. She's coming to Buffalo. There you go. That is according to one Ian Rappaport, 30 years see. old. Um, but yeah, been in the league for a minute. So there you go. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll see if that comes to pass. That would be a get, for sure. Um, pretty athletic veteran player. So that would be a former third-round pick of the Browns all the way back in the 2014 draft. But we turn now to one Kingsley Jonathan, who was an undrafted rookie here last year. Fast forward a year later, and he is a member of the Bills' 53-man roster. Here is Kingsley Jonathan addressing the media after practice today. Everything I do here is just one day at a time, one play at a time. I can't 
start thinking too far ahead. Can't start looking at what's around me. Just got to focus on what I can control and take one day at a time. Can you walk us through exactly what went down yesterday, how you found out, who you talked to? Um, that's the thing. No news is good news. So I was looking at my phone all day yesterday, the day before. I was just looking at it, looking at it, praying, you know. And I just, at the moment, I just stopped looking at it. And uh, I didn't hear anything. So I was like, I just got to go in the next day. I didn't want to go. I was going to hide. But but I went in, and it was uh, just awesome news to hear that. They believe in me enough to put me on this team to be able to show what I can do. Were you nervous to see if the key card still worked? <laughs> I had somebody go in front of me to unlock it, so I just, I just walked behind them, you know? Yeah. It's, always, it's a great day, but it's yep. always a tough day when you see guys around you not here anymore, including yep. Boogie, who had developed a relationship with. Yep. You know, what can you say about what going through all of those emotions? Oh, yeah, it's a lot, you know? Some guys that past few months, they get to know, get to be brothers, you know, do a lot together, get close together, hang out together, you know? And, um, you know, just wishing them all the best and. Uh, and Godspeed, you know. It's been quite a journey for you from your start. Uh, have you a chance to reflect on, on this at this point? Obviously, it's just a quick turnaround. Um, I usually do just quick reflections, you know. Um, thank God for what I have now. And uh, thank God for just putting me in a position I am to keep doing what I can do, you know, and taking advantage of this opportunity, you know. But once in a while, I reflect, you know, remember where I came from and where I need to go. When you came in today, what did teammates, coaches say to you about this accomplishment? I mean, a lot of guys were happy for me. I just congratulated me, and uh, just that's the kind of family we have here, you know. Guys, I'm um, wishing the best and looking out for each other, you know. That's kind of camaraderie we've built over this few past few years. What was the conversation like with family after the deadline, kind of knowing that you had made the team? It was awesome. I just sent one text message to, to, to both my families, and uh, um, those are the two people I, I talked to first, and um, it was awesome like to hear them celebrate, you know, um, and be happy, you know. Um, you know, they both families sacrificed so much for me to be where I am today, and I'm just grateful that they're here to experience it with me. As you were going through camp, did you feel like you put yourself in a good position to make the team, and just what was your biggest focus this, this summer? And, and this biggest camp? thing, you know, one day at a time, <clears throat> one play at a time for me. That's that was the biggest thing, just seize this play, make a good play, make a good, another good play, make another good play, stack up a lot of good plays, you have a good day. Keep doing that, you have a lot of good days. Take advantage of the games, you know, um, put my best foot forward, um, go all out, you know, and that's my mentality, just rush, trying to get, like, nothing stopping me mentally. So, building that mentally and physically, that's the, that's the struggle we got to get through. How much were you on your phone? Like, were you refreshing Twitter? Like, what was that like? Because I can only imagine the nerves and all that. I did it, I did it a few times, and I just put it down because it was just a lot going on. So I uh, got back on the phone with my family and just, just talked to them and uh, reflecting with them and everything. But, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. How quickly was the transition of yesterday's joy to back to work? Now, now that you're on the 53. But yeah, it's just it took a time to reflect. You know, <clears throat> praise God, everything. Um, be in the moment. Next, next, next day. You know, gotta come in next day, and it's like, it's like it's been all for the past few months. Just next day, next day, next play. Put your best foot forward every day. Still, it's still a journey. So continue to get better, learn from mistakes, not make, never make the same mistake twice. You know, uh, and keep getting better. For fans who are a little un more unfamiliar with your game, how would you describe it? Um. Play fast, play physical, 
Um, I go all out, you know, give all I need, whatever they need me, inside, outside, special teams. Um, rush the passer, you know, stop the run, be physical in the run, and that's what I do. Kingsley, with Vaughn on the pup, is there a sense that some of you guys on the D-line, it's an opportunity for you guys to kind of step up and, mm -hmm. and show out these first four weeks? Um, yeah, he's been, he's been like, he's been still been a part, big part of the D-line, you know, he's always in the room, always coaching us, always talking to us in the sideline, and when we have an Indy, um, just, just having him there is, is a lot, you know, so, um, uh, it's just great to have him and um, supporting us and still teaching us why, why, why he can't go full speed yet. But we're looking forward to him getting back. All right, that's Kingsley Jonathan addressing the media after practice today. His first practice as a member of the Bills' 53-man roster. And if you need to know more about his background story, you can go to buffalobills.com and find it there. Matty Glab, our colleague, did a nice piece on him. He moved to the United States as an adolescent. Uh, had a foster family here that was here to sponsor him, and they turned out to be the wrong kind of people. Got in, Those people were, like, in trouble with the law, so they had to find him a separate family um, to kind of take care of him as an adolescent kid, and fortunately they did. Um, but his parents still live in Nigeria. They live overseas. He hasn't seen them since, I think, about his 14th birthday. He FaceTimes them. He talks to them. So imagine what that FaceTime call was like when he called them yesterday and said, I made the team. Yeah. That's, that's – because I, I, I remember when I did it, it, it's always a big moment. I mean, and it's different for him growing up in Nigeria and coming over here later in life than it is for a guy like, like us where we grow up in this country watching that sport all the time and having heroes in that sport and do it. But to come over and look at it for the first time, and then take it up and be as accomplished as he is in such a short time. Go to a major university and play, first of all. Uh, and then to go to the highest level, I mean, there's a lot in that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, he even, oh my goodness. he even said that, you know, knowing the sacrifices they made for me just to get over here and have an athletic career, he originally wanted to be a basketball player, um, he said, I always feel like the only thing that I can give back to them is good news about how my career is going as a player. Right. This is the best news he could have given them in the last right. eight, ten years, easily. Right. So to be able to deliver that to them yesterday had to be very gratifying for him. Um, as tough a day as it is for coaches and teams where these guys have sacrificed and worked hard for them, they have to say goodbye to some of them. Stories like Kingsley Jonathan – or the good parts, uh, it's the other side of that coin. Guys who have done, gone through some stuff and made it. Um, so as tough as it is to say goodbye to some guys who have really worked hard and had the same dream, some of those dreams come true for other guys. And it's, it's just as cool to see that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an amazing time in the sport that has nothing to do with wins, losses. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty amazing. Let's shift to the discussion about the reported practice squad signing of linebacker Christian Kirksey, the veteran and former captain of the Houston Texans, Steve. As I mentioned, a guy that led that team in tackles last year with 124, plays in the middle of the defense. He's, he's reportedly going to be signed to Buffalo's practice squad officially in a couple of hours. Um, 
I think at the outset of the offseason, Steve, knowing that Tremaine Edmonds was not going to be back here, we, we speculated a lot about what they might look to pursue on the open market in free agency. They wound up choosing not to do that. And we saw how the middle linebacker competition played out. They had a tough time finding someone to truly separate themselves and stake claim to the position. And now, at the very end, we see a veteran, a proven veteran middle linebacker in Christian Kirksey enter the fray, albeit on the practice squad, and just seeing the timing of this, obviously he had to come available, but seeing the timing of this and knowing that, one, you have a player coming off injury who missed the entire preseason, and two, Tyrell Dotson, who for a period of time was going back and forth with a veteran in A.J. Klein who didn't even make the roster at mm-hmm. the starting spot. Christian Kirksey is, is a heck of a, a plan B. Yeah, he is. Um we, you went back and looked at some of his tape from last year, and the, yeah. guy, the guy was Mr. Defense for those guys last year. Um, no idea why it went south for them there um, for some reason. But you look at what happened in the middle linebacker competition in training camp, Specter goes down late, and he couldn't play in the last game or did and got hurt in the last game. Bernard got hurt early and was out of it. And it was Klein and Dot. Dot Klein was just supposed to be a guy who was like a swing tackle. You know, he's going to be the backup. Yeah, an insurance policy. All of a sudden, he's right in the midst of it, taking a ton of reps. Dotson's in there. Medikevich was hurt. He couldn't couldn't help. Uh, So, it was like Milano was out there with everybody, right? So, it was was a – competition that you never really saw anybody except for Dodson being the only guy standing up in the middle of the whole thing the whole time. Nobody else was available. Um, so Dorian Williams, uh, the, the young guy, he was, he was in a little over his head early in the early going. I think he's settled in now. And you saw once the pads went on and they started playing games, a few lights went on in his head. So he's looking way better. Um, so now that's kind of changed. But the competition really never took shape the way we thought it was going to. Yes. And now I think this becomes an exercise in how quickly can Christian Kirksey get a hold and a grasp of this defensive scheme under Sean McDermott. Because if there is, you can debate his athletic prowess and his skill set all you want. What you cannot debate about Christian Kirksey is his leadership. This guy is a leader personified. And what is Coach McDermott talk about all the time about that middle linebacker spot. You need a leader who has command of the defense and can lead a group of men. Kirksey has proven evidence of this in his career. So now I believe it becomes an exercise in how quickly he can get up to speed in this defensive scheme. And perhaps sooner rather than later, he might be pushing those two guys on Buffalo's roster right now to get some playing time himself at the middle linebacker position. I don't think it's going to be right away. But this is certainly a very, very interesting plan B option for Buffalo and and a great veteran pickup if, in fact, it proves accurate that he's going to sign on the practice squad. We take a break here. Steve and I close things up next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
All right, here we are, One Bills Live for one final segment here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And um, we're expecting to get some more tweaks to the 53-man roster here in short order. Practice squad will be announced in probably a little bit over an hour. Um, Brandon Bean set to address the media at approximately 4 p.m. this afternoon. So we'll get any and all updates on that. So be sure to stay tuned to buffalobills.com for updates there. Um, I got to say, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the Kirk, the reported Kirksey ad. I am too. I mean, he's, he'll have two weeks to get up to speed, and they don't need to activate him from the practice squad or anything like that. He can practice and, and go hard, and if he gets ready, that's fine. If it takes him a few weeks, that's fine. Obviously, they got a plan for that guy. Um, that'll be interesting. Yeah. That'll be interesting. A the lot trajectory of, of his time here is – going to bear very close watching. He actually turns 31 tomorrow. Um, and then the other reported uh, addition will be Jermaine Effetti, the veteran offensive tackle, former first-round pick of the Seahawks in 2016. Kind of help shore up what was lost in the unexpected retirement of Brandon Shell. So, right. Yeah. So that's kind of where it sits. Yeah, we're, there's – all this will be sh- shake out in the next two hours or so, and, and even through the next week, they'll they'll still tweak it. They might not only they might not get a sixteen today. They probably won't. Yeah, we'll see. That's it for us here for a Wednesday edition of One Bills Live. We do want to remind you that tomorrow uh, we have some interesting guests lined up for the show, including Jordan Palmer, the off-season quarterback guru for one Josh Allen. And in case you didn't know it. He also works with Kyle Allen. Oh, my god! We'll talk to Jordan tomorrow about both those quarterbacks here on a Thursday edition of One Bills Live. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.